Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 5. The book of 1 Peter and chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. We're finishing up this series. We'll finish it up next week as we've been just walking through the book of 1 Peter. And the idea of 1 Peter is this, that persecution is right around the corner. Hard times for believers are right around the corner. And now is the time to start living for the Lord while we have the freedom and liberty to do so than when the hard times come. Now is an important time. And we understand that as we look at our world events, that persecution is around the corner for us as well. Now's the time to make those decisions to start following after Christ. As we work with the book of 1 Peter chapter number 5, we're in a little section now that's dealing the practicality. How do we live everything that we've been taught so far? How do we live that on a day-to-day basis? As you find your way to 1 Peter, it's towards the end of your Bible. The last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. You keep turning the other way. Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter. And now as we find our way to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 5, notice with me if you don't mind starting at verse number 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5, the Bible says this, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world." But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a little while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find here where it talks about that we are supposed to... um, Be sober, be vigilant. Verse number eight, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. And we understand that we do have an adversary who wants to destroy us, who wants to to oppress us. But the good news is, is that he doesn't have to have victory in our life, that we don't have to allow him to destroy our lives. Now, God has a way for all of our life and his way is the best. He is a perfect God. And his way is the way of blessing and of peace. Following his way allows us to our influence to account for eternity for the things that 
<laughs> that matter most. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to take some time here and examine the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 and be an encouragement with this idea of being practical. What we're supposed to do now, knowing that persecution is coming around the corner, knowing that we have this opportunity to live for the Lord, what are some practical things that we can do for ourselves? First of all, I want to bring to your attention the clothing of the people of the Lord. The clothing of the people of the Lord. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Now, this word submit is a word that most people hate. Why do we hate it? Because it carries the idea of placing yourself under the authority of someone else. That you willingly submit and place yourself to allow someone of biblical authority to direct your path. Now, there's something in all of us of pride that we want to do what we want. You don't tell me what to do. But the idea of submitting is how God works. It's how we, God directs us. He directs us through biblical authority. And it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And notice this, And be clothed with humility. This idea here, the clothing we're supposed to be wearing, is clothing ourselves in humility. What is humility? It's the absence of pride. So, what's the absence of pride? What is pride? Pride is carrying the idea that I know what's best for me. I don't need someone to tell me what to do. I've got this all figured out. And it's the word I, 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 I. I, I, I could do it myself. I don't need any help. I can get this done. And the more that we find that we are trying to do things ourselves, the more that we find something interesting here. Likewise, ye youngers, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Let me illustrate this. Zeb, come here. Let me illustrate what the Bible is talking about here. The more that we try to do things ourselves, the more that we try to force things to happen, the more that we're being resisted. For example, let's say that he pushes against my arm and his job is to push against me, okay? And the more that he tries to do it himself, in order to keep him in one place, the resistance has to match that force. All right? So he's not gaining lots of ground and it's because he's trying to do it himself, now what happens is the Bible speaks about in the book of James about the same thing, okay? That God um, resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. So what happens is that when he stops resisting, stops trying to do it himself, God goes behind him and pushes him. He could get a lot more accomplished in his life by him trying to, allowing God to direct his path. Go ahead and go. God trying to direct his path than him trying to do it himself. I think most of us have probably faced this where we go, I'm trying to do everything I can. I'm trying to get it done and I'm just not moving. What's happening? You're being resisted. You're being resisted. Why? Because you are doing it. God has intended the Christian life for you not to have to do it yourself. God wants to give you assistance. He wants to help you. How many times that someone has tried to work on a marriage themselves? I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make it work. And it just seems to fall apart even more. Maybe they get to the idea where I'm going to solve this myself. I'm going to fix it myself. And it ends up getting worse. Or they get to the idea that they're going to handle something at work. I'm going to get this done. 
And the more that they try to do it, the more they go nowhere. They're spending a lot of force, a lot of steam, a lot of wasted energy, and it's not getting done. But yet God said, God resisted the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. He giveth grace to the humble. He goes beside and helps us. Now, where does this tie into? This clothing ourselves with humility. Getting into the place where we say, God, you tell me what to do. God, you direct my path. God, you show me what step I'm supposed to do now. And God says, that's what I was waiting for. Let's get this done. And God goes beside and helps you get all those things accomplished. Where does it come from? This idea of clothing ourselves in humility. Not bringing ourselves to the place where it's all me. It's getting to the place where, God, I'm going to submit myself to what you would have me to do. I'm going to place myself under your authority. You tell me what to do and I'll say yes. And God can get so much accomplished. So we're in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 5. And we start off with this idea of clothing ourselves. Now remember as we talk about uh, clothing ourselves in humility and we're talking about biblical authority, remember that biblical authority is not the idea of value. We're not talking about who is more valuable. We're talking about the idea of order and function. For example, is the Lord Jesus Christ less valuable than God the Father? Not at all. But do you know that God, Jesus always submitted himself to the Father? Was that because, G because Jesus was less valuable? No, it's a matter of order and function. Order and function. And so God has designed it so we can function correctly as we clothe ourselves in humility and allow God to direct our path using biblical authority and more things can get accomplished while, with God's help than us trying to force things to happen ourselves. Notice there's a second thing as we're talking about practicality of the Christian life. That we talked about the clothing of God's people. That we're supposed to be clothed with humility. Notice something else. We see the cares of God's people. The cares of God's people. Notice with me in verse number 7. Casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Now, this doesn't deal with our sins, though we are to confess our sins to him. In this verse, it's dealing with the burdens that we bear, the cares of this life. Which, by the way, goes into that first verse where we're trying to take things ourselves. Lord, I'm going to get this done. When we cast our cares upon him, say, God, I can't do this. Lord, I need your help. Lord, this is too big for us. We can cast all of our cares upon him. And why can we do that? For he careth for us. Do you know that God wants to see you succeed? He wants to see you uh, in, <coughs> succeed in the life and the areas of life that he wants you to have. He wants you to live a victorious life. God desires that for you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. But we have to put our cares upon him. To have cares is not sin. But the failure to trust God with our cares is sin. He wants to help us in every little area of our life. God knows that we as people have cares. We're supposed to cast it upon him. The Lord allows our burdens to be greater. Some people have misquoted a verse. Turn with me if you don't mind to the book of 2 Corinthians. And let me show you this verse. 
Now I'm going off memory, so give me a second. Max, help me out. I'm looking for the verse that, the one that people misquote saying God will not give us more than we can bear. There we go. First number, uh, First Corinthians 10. I was in the wrong book. First Corinthians chapter 10. We're turning back to First Peter in a second, but look with me. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but as common to man, but God is faithful. Verse 13, it starts off by saying, listen, you're not going through something you new and unique. Someone else has gone through it before. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able? For some reason, people put a period there and say, well, God's not going to give me more than I'm able to bear. That's not what the verse says at all. It continues on. Notice what it says. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Some people have kind of done a pacification in their mind that says, well, God's not going to give me more than I could bear. That's not true. God will often give you more than you can bear. Why? So you have to trust God. So you can't do it yourself. If we could somehow bear the burdens ourselves, we will. And we'll brag about it. Look, I got through this. It was so hard. I've got this. But God says, no, 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 I want you to cast my, your cares upon you. For I careth for you, that God giveth grace to the humble. He promised to give us grace to the humble. That God will give us a way of escape through all of it, and that's Jesus Christ. That no matter what burden you have, that God is giving you a way of escape, and that's to cast your cares upon Him, to trust Him, to allow Him to be God. God is faithful, and He will help you through those things. He cares for you. We're supposed to cast all of our cares upon Christ. Notice, if you don't mind, as we go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're talking here about the practical area of the Christian life. Wrapping everything that we learned in 1 Peter. That we saw, first of all, the clothing we're supposed to wear. Clothing ourselves in humility. Understanding that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And then he explained that we're supposed to cast our cares upon him. Now notice, if you don't mind, in verse number 8. We see the conflict of the people of God. Verse number 8. It says, be sober. This carries the idea to be serious. To be vigilant. That means to be watchful. Why? Because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now here it gives an illustration that we could relate to, dealing with the idea that Satan is a lion. And as a lion, if you've ever watched any of those nature shows, that a lion never attacks the herd. What a lion does is attack those who are sick, old, or alone. Those are the people that are vulnerable. Sick, old, or alone. The lion's not going to go after the healthiest. He's going to go after the easiest prey. And whenever we get to the place where we are spiritually sick, guess what? We're vulnerable. Whenever we get to the place where we're just wearied and tired, 
we're vulnerable. When we get to the place where we're alone, we're vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. That he can come after it. By the way, this is one of the blessings of having a local New Testament church where we can gather at. It gives us a place to give a sanctuary from the wiles of the devil. And that not having, being part of that herd makes us vulnerable. Notice what Satan tries to do. It says that the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That word devour is a very interesting word. It carries the idea of to make disappear. For example, if I had a nice juicy T-bone steak right here, I could devour it. I would make it disappear, right? It'd be gone. I can make it go. Satan wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants to devour. He wants to make disappear. What things does he want to disappear? He wants to make your Bible reading disappear. He wants your prayer life to disappear. He wants you to disappear from church. Every once in a while we'll look and say, where's so-and-so? We haven't seen him in a while. They've been devoured. They've been made to be disappeared. That what happened? Satan was looking for an opportunity for the time that they were weak, for the time that they were weary, for the time that they were alone. And then he tries to devour them, to make them disappear. And then they're not a non-factor inside of a spiritual war. Satan wants people to be spiritually inert. He wants them to be just neutralized. He wants to devour them, take them off the game board. We know that there's a conflict of the people. But we know that there is a, a victory over Satan. In fact, hold your finger here. Thanks for your patience. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 6. Ephesians, chapter uh, number 6 it's giving once again the practicality of the Christian life as Paul is finishing writing this letter to the church of Ephesus. And once again, he's bringing this idea of this spiritual battle we have against Satan. Uh, notice with me Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not our enemies. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, forgive me, go to verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan is trying to destroy you. And God has helped equip us in this spiritual armor to be able to fight against Satan. Verse 13. Wherefore take upon you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereto with all perseverance and uh, supplication for all saints. In here, in Ephesians chapter 6, it's speaking about that we can withstand the wiles of the devil, but there is an armor that we need to put on to protect ourselves. Each of these places, uh, parts of the armor of God is important. In fact, let's just take some time to look at it. Notice within me in verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. So, 
in the old ancient armies, you would have a breastplate or a, a something that would cover your, ne your nether regions for the purpose that you're not vulnerable. And what are you gir girt about? Truth. That if you don't have truth, you are vulnerable to attack. Very vulnerable to attack. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 14, where it says, having on the breastplate of righteousness. That if you have on a breastplate, it's, it's a piece of armor that would cover your vital organs. And you're supposed to wear them in a way to protect your heart, your lungs, your internal organs. But it says the breastplate of righteousness. If you have unrighteousness in your life, then you have holes in your armor where you're vulnerable to attack. This is why we're supposed to wear, be righteous, be at the place where there's no chinks in the armor, no holes where the enemy can get through. And having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That, could you imagine some knight going out in the battlefield, a full suit of armor, full plate of armor, and he's wearing flip-flops? He would be very vulnerable. What would be the first place that the enemy would hit? The feet. Well, here you're even supposed to have your feet protected. How? By preparing to tell others about God and who he is. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherein you're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. That in the ancient world, you would have a shield. And when they would fire arm. Uh, fire arrows. You could take that shield and hold it up and keep from being pierced from anything that would be fired against you. And then it says, taking the helmet of salvation. Now, this is important. The helmet of salvation is a piece of armor that we have that comes from the idea that I know without a doubt that I'm forgiven of my sins, that I have the salvation that God has offered me. That someone who's doubting their salvation, they're not 100% sure if they're going to heaven or not, they are vulnerable. They don't have this um, helmet on and that headshot is in a very vulnerable place. You have to know without a doubt, know from the Bible that your sins have been forgiven and dealt with and that you have this eternal life that God had promised us. Then as it goes on, it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We only have one offensive weapon inside of the spiritual war and that's the Bible. And yet so many people are not, don't know how to use the Bible. Remember, we talked about last week about holding our sword properly and how to hold our sword properly. But beyond that, knowing how to hold your sword, you have to know how to use it. Otherwise, you could do a lot more damage to yourself than what you can't uh, do to the enemy if you don't know how to so hold your sword correctly. And so we have to understand that we have an enemy out there, Satan, who wants to destroy us. And we need to be able to resist him because he is looking for every opportunity. I heard a preacher say that he would walk past the same door a thousand times just to find that one little crack that he could get into and exploit. That he is always looking. He is looking for ways to make you devour, to make you neutralize, to make you disappear. Turn back with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and we will finish this up. Notice with me if you don't mind in 1 Peter chapter 5. And as we finish up, look with me in verse number 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a little while, make you perfect, 
establish, strengthen, and settle him to be glory and dominion forever and ever. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, where it's now speaking about what God desires for us, the calling of the people of God. What does God want for us? He wants us to be perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. The word perfect carries the idea to be complete or whole, to be spiritually mature. And again, as we saw in this context, it deals with the idea of learning how to submit to authority. Again, what is this idea of submitting to authority? It's with your heart. For example, if we tell a teenager, we've got teenagers in here, to go clean your room, and they go, no, but they go clean the room, are they submitted? Not at all. Submission is dealing with our heart. And so if we're going to be spiritually mature, it starts with us submitting to biblical authority, submitting to the authority that we have so that way we can clothe ourselves in humility as it says in 1 Peter chapter number 5. Notice again that God wants us to be perfect. He wants us to be established. The word established carries the idea to be firmed up, to be steady. He wants us to be at the place where we're not on ground that's shaky. He wants us to be at the place where we're stable in our life. First Peter chapter number five, verse 10, it says he wants us to be strengthened. We w- God wants us to be strong in the Lord. This is his desire for us that we would be perfect, established, strengthened, that we would be strong in what God has for us. And then he wants us to be settled. This carries the idea of emotional stability. That we're called to be a stable people. Have you ever met someone who's not emotionally stable and they're kind of the roller coaster? That's not what God intends for us. He wants us to have the joy that he desired us to have. The peace of God that he desired us to have. And that as we uh, follow God, the circumstances do not determine our joy. God determines our joy. Our theme for last year was the joy of the Lord is our strength. That our joy comes from knowing who God is. And as we know God is, it strengthens us up. That's what God desires for us to be settled. That we would be a settled people emotionally. Now, as we've gone through here, we've been talking here about resisting the devil, the practical idea of living the Christian life, that we're starting off to be clothed in humility, understanding that we do have an enemy who hates us, that we're supposed to cast our care upon him, and that as for what God wants us to do, he wants us to be perfect, he wants us to be established, he wants us to be strengthened, and he wants us to be settled. This is how God desires us to live our life. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- 
920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.